to Moolah, the podcast for conversations that don't come cheap. Each week, you'll hear a range of views about who has the money, who is spending, who is thriving, and how do we react to it all. These chats on this podcast are the shining moments from experts from here in Australia and around the world. From opening a savings account, comparing the cost of grocery items to the ASX and all global monetary movements, our guests unpack the double helix of the modern economic condition. Whether you have a tight, well-planned financial future or if you want to know how money is impacting every aspect of your life, I'm here to talk about coin in a way that is understandable and often very funny. It's all about the money. Come on. Find out what it's all about today. They say you never forget your first, and when it comes to trading stocks, you actually never do. This week, we talked to two investors that took the plunge together, and after years of self-education, have become the benchmark of DIY investing. Living proof of a market of opportunity that's never been more accessible. In this chat, I loved speaking to the guys from the hugely popular Equity Mates podcast. What do you think people don't understand about shares and investments? I think there's a lot of preconceived notions when it comes to the share market and they were certainly preconceived notions that I grew up with as well. I um, I grew up in the typical Australian family where the path to growing wealth was saving up, buying a house and spending most of the rest of your life paying that mortgage off. Um, Such fun. Share- yeah, I know. It's so <laughs> sexy the way you say it like that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's The share market just wasn't part of our vernacular like it it just wasn't something that we spoke about um and there were all these we we had these ideas about how risky it was how much money you needed to get started who it was for um and i was really lucky that uh, when i was at uni i met bryce and he grew up in a family uh that did talk about the share market and he had been you know he's rich he's rich basically no 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 he's rich and you're poor and then you just hitched yourself to his your cart to his wagon yeah i got it i've got the picture and i leech off him and he funds my lifestyle now man it's cool you're funny and he's rich that's the perfect marriage yeah Yeah. um but you know like he grew up in a household where you, you split your money into different buckets and one of those buckets goes into the share market and uh you know I, we started talking about it and it really opened my eyes to this this whole other world that was out there. And once you realise, you know, what it is and how little you need to get started and you start to understand, your, you know, over the long term, it, it perhaps isn't as risky as, as you thought it was, um, then, you know, the, that, the whole world starts to make sense and it starts to get really exciting. So... All we try to do with the podcast is share our excitement as, as we learn more about it with people who are like us, who can't afford a house, traditionally weren't getting any interest on their savings and were trying to figure out what to do with their money. Yeah, and you don't want to live with Bryce's parents forever. And I think, you know, like it's um, it's a good idea to break out on your own at some stage, Alec. No, but it is, it is interesting, isn't it? Like these things are almost deliberately... I don't know, obfuscated or made more complex than they need to be, like using obfuscated, which is completely <laughs> silly on my behalf. But you do have a way of sort of um, bringing fun and humour and um, a, a, simple, a simple entry point, I guess, for people. Have you been surprised at how popular the podcast is? Like it's, it's very, very well followed and, and well loved. 
I think in the early days, we well, I think to start with, we didn't set out to create a podcast and get it to where we are now. Like we we used it as a purely a, a selfish scratch our own itch side <laughs> pro, side project. Alec and I wanted to become better investors. And we thought the best way to do that would be to pretend that we had Australia's biggest finance podcast and knock on the doors of <laughs> fund managers and CEOs and ask them questions about how they do it. But I think what became evident is there is a huge portion of Australians out there who can't afford financial advice because financial advice is ridiculously expensive. And so turn to uh, alternative means to educate themselves. And I think, you know, our business has has grown off the back of that 90% of Australians who want to build wealth and are feeling squeezed out of the, the property market um, but can't afford to get professional advice. And it's a real shame that that is, that is the way that it happened. But, um, you know, we look at our audience, they're, they're young, they're engaged, and we do sort of still sit back and go, wow, that we have a, we have a large audience. But it's not so much a surprise given some of the the structural problems that exist in the financial industry. And don't seem to be disappearing anytime soon. Like, I can't see how I'll buy a house. I can't see how my kids will buy a house unless my daughter gets married to Bryce. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's a really <laughs> unlikely scenario that there'll be there'll be just generations, I guess, of people who will be who will be renters, which is okay. I mean, if it's good enough for Paris, I guess we can slum it if we could change some of the leasing laws. You don't have to own a own a house, but there are better things to do with your money than than just leave it sitting in the bank, and that's that's the big yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think property is just a a challenging world onto itself, and it doesn't seem like there's going to be a way that that gets solved without pain in certain parts of the economy. Um, but I think the really exciting thing is um, it, it seems like everyone is waking up to the state of financial advice and we've seen uh, Treasury hand down a review of the changes post the Royal Commission and it looks like there are some changes coming and I think that will be a really important first step, making advice affordable um, and accessible and then, I don't know, I don't envy the politicians that have to figure out housing because you're right, you know, like a lot of Europe is long-term renters but even the price of rent these days is becoming more and more unaffordable and we can't be long-term renters if we can't afford it. So no. anyway, no. I, I don't own a house. I would love to. Um, and I, I don't know. It's, we just it's have to wait for our parents to die. The problem is that the healthcare is too good <laughs> and all these old bastards just keep getting rebuilt. They're like Robocop. My parents will never yeah. die. They just keep going, coming in and out of hospital with new and better bits. Can you guys tell me what's the most exciting thing in the market at the moment? Where would you be telling people if they're going to invest? Here's a good place to start. I mean, the, the most exciting place in the market is probably not the best place to start. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's true. Uh, that's why it hasn't worked for me, this investing caper. It's boring. Uh, I think the, the most exciting thing at the start of the year was certainly AI and, you know, in, NVIDIA was uh, just absolutely uh, just ripping and it seemed like everything that was related to AI was following along. Um, but it seems like in the back half of the year, the most exciting thing is this new weight loss drug, Zempic, and the Danish pharmaceutical company Novo Nordisk, which 
uh, it seems that the drug actually works, which has got people very excited. And, you know, Australian companies like ResMed, which makes sleep apnea masks and CSL uh, also, uh, they're all falling because everyone's worried about the effect that this weight loss drug will have. Oh. So I think they're, they're, they're oh, so those, those sleep things that make people look like really fat. Uh, fighter pilots is that the one that yeah people... that's it that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah 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 I love and them if you're if you're, if you're <laughs> snoring you should go get a sleep test because turns out the sleep apnea is like massively underdiagnosed so you might sleep better um, but you have to wear one of those masks so yeah, it's right. a, a trade off <laughs> yeah no you're not getting any action with that doesn't matter if you <laughs> die anyway just forget about it you're never having a route again so if you if you went to Nova Nordisk you could if they're the ones that you'd be putting your money on uh I, I think it's gone up a lot. Um, the, the thing to watch is um, so there's there's shortages of their drug all over the world. It's it's hot. It's in demand. Um, but Pfizer and Eli Lilly, the two American pharma giants, are also working on a similar drug. Um, and so they're they're the three companies that are working on it. But I think to go back to your original point, uh, to your original question, where where would you start? I wouldn't start with any individual company and I know it's boring, but I have the experience to, to tell you why. So I uh, bought a, an individual company when I started investing. Um, I bought Slater and Gordon. If people are unfamiliar, they're a law firm. Uh, they're a law firm that absolutely crashed in the stock market and the $1,000 that I invested turned into twelve. Oh. Uh, it, it was at a time when Comsec uh, charged nineteen ninety five for brokerage, so I lost so much money on the first stock I ever bought that I couldn't even sell it. So, oh. uh, but I- looking back, what I would have done, uh, there are index ETFs uh, where you can buy a little bit of everything. Um, you can buy the ASX two hundred, the two hundred biggest listed companies in Australia. Uh, you can buy that from you know a dollar with some brokerage platforms today. That's how I would start. Just so, what are the good what are the good platforms to use if you want to buy an ETF? You want to do something secure? Do you make it like a constant drip feed into your ETFs with every pay, like a direct debit almost? Or and which are the good ones? Like I know I keep getting hit up with different apps for platforms. Which are the best trading platforms? So I think you're right there. The strategy that Ren and I both use and talk about time and time again is trying to automate your investing process as much as possible. So Mm -hmm. that means from the time you get paid, you set up a direct transfer to your brokerage platform and then you want a brokerage platform that ideally can then execute an investment into an ETF automatically as well. So you don't even need to think about it. You're busy at work, you're taking a holiday, whatever. You're just uh, investing in the background. So that's how we set it up. So what you want to be looking for are uh, investment platforms that allow you to do that. So a couple that come to mind, Superhero, for example, is an online platform here in Australia that also offers $0 brokerage on ETFs, which is fantastic. Similarly, though, there are some micro-investing platforms like Raise that allow you to to automate your process as well. Um, Outside of the automation, there are still $0 brokerage platforms like Stake and some of the big banks are now dropping their brokerage fees as well to try and be a bit more competitive. So I'm sure plenty of listeners are with Comsec or or the like. So there are plenty out there. Our advice is to look for ones that obviously offer the lowest or lowest brokerage possible. You want to keep 
fees cheap? It's, yeah, the, it's yeah. the most common question we get uh, here, what broker should I sign up with? And there's so many. We, we tried to count them all. There's like 40 online brokers in Australia at the moment. And the thing you've got to remind yourself is they all market themselves in different ways, but ultimately whichever broker you use, you're buying the same product. And like if you buy... Sorry, I was just going to say the minimum investment, like some of them, I know stake was like you had to spend, every transaction had to be like I can't remember, 500 US dollars or something as a minimum uh, purchase. Is that standard across the board or is, are there ones that let you put in less than that no, so that that's the uh, that was sort of the minimum when we were uh, growing up, five hundred bucks. Uh, mm-hmm. Now you can invest from a dollar. There are wow. certain platforms. Um, the micro investing apps like Raise uh, let you invest um, from a dollar. Sharesies is one that's come over from New Zealand that lets you invest from a dollar. And then there are some that let you invest from smaller amounts as well. I think Superhero is a hundred dollars. Comsec Pocket is $50. I'm looking at Bryce mm, to, mm. and seeing if he's nodding or not as I try and recall these off the top of my head. But, yeah, like there, there are platforms that let you invest from a dollar. So if you feel like you don't have enough money to get started, um, there are platforms that really help you with that. Yeah, and will, will the Slater Gordon shares ever come back? I mean, you still own them. You still own them, don't you? No, so uh, they – because so many people had lost so much money on them, they – they basically cleaned up their share register and bought out all the small shareholders. So I got my $12 in cash and <laughs> I think I got a lesson that was worth a lot more than that as well. Yeah, of course you do. Of course you do. And I think the ETFs, you know, it is a really, it doesn't sound as sexy, but it is a great, you know, start off to get into the market and to to not be thinking about it too much. What about taxes and stuff on those shares? Do you have to worry about that? Yeah, so the uh, the the two ways that shares or investments get taxed generally are um, the income that you get from an investment counts to your assessable income each year. So if you're getting paid dividends, that gets rolled up with your salary and all the other income that you make. Okay. Um, and so that's just yearly. Uh, and then when you sell, uh, if you make a capital gain or a capital loss, there's you report that in your tax as well. So... I think the good news is just like these platforms, though, have made investing a lot more accessible and cheaper. They also are now a lot better at providing tax reporting mm. um, to take away, take away the need for uh, multiple cells in a spreadsheet. But I think, you know, there, there's obviously intricacies with franking credits and claiming all of that. So, you know, yeah. getting professional tax advice and uh, getting someone to help you is, is always worth it. Um, so... Yeah, but in general, that's that's sort of how, how franking, it works. Franking credits. The day that you're talking about franking credits is a day you just give it up, don't you reckon? Like, it's just, <laughs> it just sounds so old. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah. you got to talk about, you know, Very going down to the RSL and the franking credits. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, rock on if that's your jam, I suppose. That's Alec and Bryce, the guys from the hugely popular Equity Mates podcast, talking to me about investing. And that's it for this episode. Remember, if you want more like this, you can catch me live on air Monday to Friday, 9 till 11 on DAB Plus or online at Disrupt Radio. See you later. Moolah, moolah. Moolah, a new way of talking about money.